Okay. Welcome back to the Wandering Posty, Anthony Perry. The um, I haven't done a podcast for a hot second. It's been a few months, um, just with Christmas and everything. I just got so busy, and plus, uh, I was a bit disorganised and a bit scattered. So, um, I'm back, and in 2020, I want to commit to doing a few more podcasts than what I have been doing, more, be, be a bit more consistent. Um, and if that means I can't get a guest. I'll just do a solo a solo one about something, um, which brings me to today's topic. And today's topic I want to talk about is a walk that I did, a trip that I did about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago actually. Um, and a lot of people ask me about this trip, and it's the trip called the Camino de Santiago, and it is an eight hundred kilometer walk across Spain. Um, you start in, well, you can start anywhere. You can start, the Camino originally was a pilgrimage to Santiago for St. Francis, uh, a saint that come, you know, I don't even really know the, that much of the history of that saint. He washed up on the beach in Finisterre and they took him to a church in bloody Santiago. I think it's something to do with that. But I didn't do it for religious reasons because I'm not that religious. Um, I just did it for a spiritual reason and to get my own head. Um, but let's get into that later. Um, so what I was, I'll get back to what I was saying is that I met people on this walk doing it from Algeria. And so it is meant to be from your house, from your front door, a walk, a pilgrimage to Santiago, to the church in Santiago. Um in saying that, I met people that did it from Algeria. I met a guy that did it from Paris. I met someone that did it from England and obviously got the bus or the boat across the channel. Um, but a lot of people start in a little town called Saint-Jean-Pieterport in France. The first day you, you walk over the, the, uh, the Pyrenees. The way I heard about it, was back in 2005, I was in the south of Spain in Sevilla and I met a girl there and I, she spoke no English, I spoke no Spanish, but I got out of her. She'd just finished doing this pilgrimage and I tried asking her a lot of questions about it and it just sparked my interest. But the way she was explaining it is that you had to be religious and you had to do it with a religious group. So I put it to the back of my mind and I didn't think twice about it. I was like, well, I, I did think twice. I always thought about it. I never looked into it. And then a few years ago, I was actually on an aeroplane and I saw a German movie with a guy that did it and it just piqued my interest again, spark, just set a spark off in me. And I thought, you don't have... And then I started doing research and I was like, you don't have to... Anyone can do this. Yeah, it's kind of a religious thing. You meet religious people along the way. But it's more than that. It's, the religious thing is you, you see the churches along the way and you see people praying, but that is the minimal side to it. Um, it's whatever you, however you want to do it. So fast forward a few years, 2018... Or 2017, I was like, I'm doing this walk. So, so I did it. I, I'm not too sure what I expected from 
I just expected that I'd be walking 800 kilometers on my own and just to get inside my own head and think about, just leave everything behind. Like a lot of these towns, there was no internet, no phone connection. Just leave everything behind. And all you got is 10, 10 kilograms or however much you want to carry. It's whatever you want to carry on your back and just walk. Just walk. If you want to walk 10 kilometers a day, walk 10 kilometers a day. If you want to walk 40 a day, walk 40 a day. But just walk. So I'll get into my preparation. My preparation for it is before I left, I, was, I, I really didn't know. I looked up heaps of YouTube clips. But you don't know. Other people's experience is other people's experience. My experience is going to be my own. So I just took little clippets of everyone else. I was like, okay, I need, I should train. I'm not that unfit anyway. I'm pretty fit anyway. So I was like, I need to just – so I, I don't know what I have to do, but I've got to speak to someone. So I spoke to my brother who owns a couple of gyms. I was like, what should I do? And he's like – he looked into it and he was like, do heaps of back squats. Just put 20 kilos on your back. No, don't do 20. Put 50 kilos on your back and just squat as much as you can. Get your legs as big as you can so you can walk. So you just have the capacity to walk. And then on top of that, I just, you got to wear your gear in. So like probably for about four weekends, I'd go out and just walk 15 kilometers with my backpack on, put seven kilos, eight kilos, didn't even load it up to 10 kilos, put seven, eight kilos in a backpack and just from my front door just walked. And so I was walking just around just suburban streets, like 15 kilometers. Um, it was a bit weird, but like that is key. You got to wear your gear in and you got to get used to walking. And on the trip, it's a lot of tarmac walking, which I didn't realize. So I was happy that I walked around these suburban streets and got my feet used to walking on tarmac for a lot of it. My, like I said before, my bag was about 10 kilos and then with water, I guess 11, 11 and a half kilos, which is quite a bit. A lot of other people were only around nine kilos. I mean, you can you can get your bag transported from one town to another for only a couple of euros a day. Um, I just didn't want to do that. I wanted the full, like, if I wanted to stop somewhere. So what I felt like if you were to transport your bag to another town, you have to get, you're stuck with going to that town and that accommodation. I didn't want that. I wanted to rock up to a town, feel the vibe of the town and stay there if I wanted. So I did not do that. Uh, how I mentally prepared for this 800-kilometre walk, I didn't think of the 800-kilometre walk. I broke it down into days. So my plan was when I went over there, and you shouldn't really even go with a plan, but my basic plan was every five days or every six days I would stay in a really nice hotel and in Spain the checkout times are midday so I would check out I'd have a really good sleep check out at midday and only walk 10 kilometers that day so every other day I walked roughly on average I'd say about 25 kilometers a day that's on average sometimes it was 20 sometimes 30 I think my biggest day was 35 my smallest day was 12 so on those on those days I'd check out of a hotel at midday, I'd only walk, like I said, I'd only walk the 10 
12.12 kilometres max. Uh, yeah, 12, 15 kilometres, 15 kilometres max. Like 12 kilometres is, like I said, my, my smallest day. Um, I think it was one day. I had one rest day the whole time because I went out one night and I got so drunk, got home at 5am, was so hungover, I was like, I can't walk today. So I had I had a whole rest day once and I felt guilty. I felt bad. I felt bad so I didn't do that again. No matter how bad I felt, I just walked through everything. And it just works. Everything just works out. Uh, the reason, I mean, I said this before, but the reason I decided to do it was exactly that, to live, to see what would come of it, to see what my mind, what chatter was in my mind from living in Sydney, see what chatter was in my mind, get out to the countryside and just walk and see what you come up with. See what you want for the rest, not for the rest of your life, for the next few years of your life. Just think about what's important to you and what you actually want to achieve and what you actually want to do. Okay, let's get into the walk. I mean, like like I said, you're starting in this small town called St. John Peterport. It's in a little, little, little town in the Pyrenees in France. Um, I got there. I actually got there a weird way. I flew to Geneva and went to see some friends in the mountains in Geneva, like close to Geneva. From there, I had to get down to Bayonne, which is down the south of France, near Biarritz. In no, you know, with my luck, France has a train strike exactly when I get there. I can't get down there. Every day I was waiting for trains, weren't coming. So I ended up having to get on a 14-hour bus ride there. Got there at 5 in the morning, slept until about midday the next day. Oh, that day, sorry. Then got on a little bus from Bayonne and you go up into the mountains, into the Pyrenees, to this town called St. Jean-Pierre-de-Port. When you're there... You then register that you're doing the walk. You don't have to, but you register. They give you a card, and then on that card, that allows you to stay in the hostels along the way, which are called albergues, and they're cheap as chips. They're about, and you get it stamped every day as well from these albergues. They're about five euros a night for the municipal albergues, which is pretty basic. Like sometimes you're staying in a room with 10 people, sometimes you're staying in a room with 100 people. It's a really daunting experience. I'm used to hostels, but even this was even worse. Like you're staying with people's like young people all the way up to like 75 year old, 70 year olds, you know, and just like the snoring is unbelievable. Like you need to wear earplugs or listen to some music or something to get to sleep. I had such, that's why every five days I'd go to a really nice hostel, a hotel to get a good night's sleep. In the end, I stopped going to the municipal host, uh, albergues and I went to like some private ones which were about 10 euros or 15 euros a night and like they were a lot better they're smaller rooms less people you get good nights like sometimes you're in a room alone sometimes like it was so much better um so yeah so in St. Jean Peterport you uh get your card you get a little shell you put in your backpack and I remember that night I I actually stayed in a hotel. I thought, I'm going to stay in a hotel this last night. I remember this so vividly. I could not get to sleep. I was, the anticipation of starting this walk was killing me. So the first so the, the first day you walk over the Pyrenees into Spain, into a town called Ranchavales, and they say the first day is the hardest. It's 27 Ks. I think 20 of it 
is just straight up, straight from the town. You're walking up. It's, no, it's relentless. It's just 20 k's uphill. Um, I wasn't like I, I was back in my fitness. Like I was okay. Like like I said, I was in the mountains a few days before, and I was walking up and down the mountains a little bit. And like I thought, oh, I feel good here. I feel great. Um, so that wasn't. I was actually looking forward to the, that challenge on the first day, but I could not sleep at night. I, I got up at six thirty in the morning. I was like, as soon as it goes light, because it was still dark. As soon as it goes light, I'm hitting the streets. So as soon as that sun started rising a little bit. I went and got a little bit of breakfast, a baguette, put it in my bag, some water, and I was like, oh, I'm going at 7.30 in the morning. And they say it takes about nine or ten hours uh, for most people to get to this next town. Uh, it started off as a nice morning. I'll just talk about this first day. It started off as a nice morning, but then by the time, then I hooked up with, I stopped about nine k's in and got something else to eat. There's a little place, it's the last place you can eat. After that, there's absolutely nothing. Uh, but these two German blokes, these two German, like they were like mid twenties, and they looked fit, and they were like, "Let's walk together." So we just started like pounding the pavement, and when we got to the top, it started snowing, and the track had actually been closed the day before, or I think a week before. Two Scottish people had gone missing. They close the track if it's too if if you can't because you can't see anything. It's the top of the pyramids. You can't see shit if it's snowing. We got to the top. We lost the track at the top. They, there was a way that there was a fork in the road, and they said, "Don't go down that one. Go down that one." That's what they told us in the village before. And we took the wrong one. We took the one you weren't supposed to go down, but it turned out to be the better one. It was more dangerous, but it was quicker. It was about three k's quicker, I think. Um, and it was. You got down a little bit and the snow had all gone and it was fine. It was just slippery as hell, leafy. It was pouring rain um, when we got there. But we got there, I think, in six and a half or seven hours. That's how we we just, all three of us, we just said, let's just put our heads down, talk as much shit as we can to each other and just walk and get to this next town. And that's what happened the first That's what happened the first four days. I walked with them for four days. I think it was three or four days all the way to Pamplona. Uh, and one of them got an injury and then one of them had to go home. But for those first four days, all the way to Pamplona, it was relentless rain. It did not stop raining. And, you know, you always think, oh, yeah, it rains for a couple of hours and stops for an hour. It was not that. This was apparently the worst rain Spain had had in 20 years. Like Everything was flooded. We had to cross creeks, like we had to throw logs down across these little creeks that had formed and go across there. And we saw people falling to the creeks with their, all their gear. It was absolutely uh, horrendous. And that's when the mental battle for me started. On that fourth, or no, it was, I think it was on the fifth day when it was just still hammering rain, I was like, what am I doing here? Why am I walking in this relentless rain? I'm on a nine-week break here. I could, one of my mates could call me and said, let's go to Morocco and go surfing. And that just sounded so good to me. But I was like, I thought about it for about an hour or two hours. I actually thought about quitting that night. I was like, that's it. I've had enough. 
But then I got, then I just, I got to this town. I met this Italian girl and we went out and started having a few beers and playing cards and whatnot. And I just thought, why am I, you are not quitting here. This is what it's all about right here. Like getting through, it's not going to rain for five weeks straight. It's going to rain for a couple more days and you're going to be fine. But it was just so surprising how quickly that negative aspect come into my mind and how I was like, how quickly I thought about quitting. And I was like, am I that kind of person? I was like, I do not want to be that kind of person. So I just stuck it out. I was like, and the next day, you know what? I woke up the next day and I walked with this old, old Italian guy for half the day. Could not speak a word of it. Well, we could communicate a little bit, but it was very, very just silence the whole day. And it was that was when I was like, that's it. I'm here to the end. If I got through that, that's the hardest part. Now, and then a day later, it stopped, I think two days later, it stopped raining. I met some nice people to walk with, and it was just on from there. Uh, I'll run through a bit of the daily daily routine Um a bit of the daily routine um, that that, that I, I would do. So for the first probably week, I was I was getting up super early, like I was getting up at before sunrise, and I would I was I was getting my gear on and just walking and walking the twenty five k's to the next town as quick as I could. I wasn't stopping. I was just walking and. I was like, what am I, what am I doing? Like, I'd get to these towns at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon, one thirty in the afternoon, and these towns were so small. And I didn't want to walk further because I wanted to savour it. I didn't want to walk 40Ks because I was like, you're going to finish in no time and you don't want to do that. You want to enjoy this. And I was like, so I changed up what I was doing. So you have, a lot of the hostels, you have to be out at 8 o'clock in the morning. They kick you out at 8 o'clock in the morning so the next people – because the people are leaving so early from their town and they're getting there at midday. So they need to clean up and get, get everyone out and get the new people in by midday. Um, but this wasn't working for me. That's why I stopped staying in the municipal hostels as well. I'd go to the private ones and it cost me like double the price, like 10, 12 euros. But as soon as I got there, I'd ask – I'd say – what times you check out, and they usually say eight, eight, eight thirty. And I'm like, this doesn't work for me. Like, I need to. I, I don't. This walk is not for me to leave as early as I can. This is for me to enjoy, and I'd like to stay longer. If I have to pay more to stay longer, I have no problem with that. But I want to leave at nine o'clock instead. And they'll know all the private hostels. They were all. A-okay with that. They'd laugh. They thought it was so funny and they'd be like, no worries, you can you can do that. So, and the, But then they said, you, but a lot of them provide breakfast and they'd be like, oh, but you'll you just miss out on breakfast. And I'm like, that's okay with me. So that's what I did. I was always the last. I was, I was always even the last out of bed. Everyone was gone and it was good at me. I had the bathroom to myself. I had time. I could put my gear out. I could pack it well. So I'd do that. And then I'd just take care of my feet. My feet, I, I did not want to get any injuries on this walk. I did get a little bit of tendonitis, so I had to take some, some um, Voltaren. But it was like two days, and it was fine. Um, but I'd wrap 
if I felt a hot spot on my feet, I'd wrap my toes. Uh, I went and saw a podiatrist. I think that's what you call a podiatrist. Yeah, uh, a foot specialist um, before, and I said, what should I do in terms of foot care and whatever? And they told me to get a special wrap, this special tape. It's, okay, I forget what it's called. You, you tape any hot spots up with it. Um, then I'd, I'd baby powder my feet. Then I'd put like uh, these smart socks on, um, completely like 100% uh, merino wool, uh, and then in, with individual toe slots. So I put them on, and then I'd put merino wool socks on top of them. And I, with hiking the Camino, I don't know about other hikes, but always buy your shoes a size bigger because your feet swell. So then I'd put so I'd put my two pairs of socks on, and then put my shoes on. And that was my. It would take me ten to fifteen minutes to get my feet prepared of a morning, and at the same time of an afternoon, I took a hockey ball with me, and I would roll my feet, roll any 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 stiff joints I had of an afternoon. I, the one thing I didn't want to happen on this walk was failure because I'm not taking care of myself. That would be. I don't think I could live with myself. Uh, if that was the case, if I knew I could have taken care of myself and I didn't, and then I had to drop out of the Camino, that would just be an absolute devastation to me. I, I could not comprehend that. So this is what I did. Uh, and I just took the time. Even if I was walking with people, I'd be like, hey, I'm taking the time. You either can wait for me or I'll catch up to you, but this is what I have to do of a morning. So then I'd, I'd do that. I'd grab my walking pole. I'd say thank you to the people I was staying with. Then I'd walk usually. I'd plot out the the night before. You usually plot out the day uh, where you're going to stop, uh, where you, where you're going to finish the day. But then you're always along the way, always an hour in, about five k, no more than five k's into the walk. You're always there's always going to be a cafe or a little restaurant or something. So I'd walk five k's. And then that's where the, the first stop I had. And I would stop there, get a coffee. I'd always I'd learn how to order bacon and eggs in Spanish. So I'd get my bacon and eggs, have a coffee, have a juice, have a water, just sit down and just relax for an hour. Sometimes, sometimes longer than an hour. It, it was, this was for me the pleasure of the day. After that, I'd just walk, um, usually till about after that midday, so another few hours, another two hours, talk to people along the way, sometimes, sometimes not. I, I, I think in the whole time I only listened to music like twice. Like I wanted to be within nature. I wanted to hear the sights and the sounds around me. But then sometimes there's these long, boring, none of it was boring, but some of them, sometimes I was just like, okay, now, now I'm not feeling... Um, I'm feeling a little bit tired today. I didn't sleep that well last night. So I put a bit of music on just for an hour or two and that's it. So then I'd get lunch. Uh, and usually I'd get lunch, relax, have a beer, uh, check my check how good my feet were. Sometimes I'd, I'd um, take my – if my feet were hot, I'd take my shoes and socks and everything off and put fresh stuff on. And like do the whole foot care thing again and just put fresh stuff on. I, again, I didn't know what I wanted to get. I saw some of the most horrific injuries 
on this walk. I saw a girl with so many blisters in her feet she could not put a pair of shoes on. She had to walk part of it in sandals because her feet were just so bad. I saw guys had to drop out because of tendonitis, bad knees. Um, and, yeah, it was that was not the greatest. Uh, but then... Then other people, like, I met a guy on there who he had he had nowhere to be. He'd quit his job and he just said, I'm going to walk the Camino. He had nowhere to be. So I met him just for one day, one night. Uh, and what he'd, he'd, he'd wake up super late in the morning, like even later than me, like 10 o'clock in the morning, do yoga. He was telling me his routine. He'd do yoga for an hour and then he'd only walk maximum 10 kilometres a day. That's all he would walk get to the afternoon, get into a place, do more yoga, stretch a lot, and, and then yeah, go out and have dinner and whatnot. Uh, super interesting guy. But uh, everyone's there to, 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 to walk the way they want to walk. Like the people that you meet on the Camino, uh, it, it's, it's everyone. I met the most eclectic people and I met the most mainstream people. But everyone's there to walk. So everyone's there with an open mind and an open heart. And as shitty and cliche as that sounds, uh, everyone's like super happy as well. They're just there walking. They're all just sharing this common interest of just walking 800 kilometres. It's pretty special. I'm, I met people, I was, there was a, a guy walking there with a, a two-year-old, he kept on putting the two-year-old in like this little backpack and other times the two-year-old was walking next to him. But he was doing the whole lot, like 800 Ks. And then I met this most beautiful 70-year-old couple from South Africa. And they, the same thing, they would walk as many kilometres as me in a day. I'd see them every single night. Um, but they would, they would start early and finish late. And they said, we are in no rush. They had their accommodation booked. Uh, oh, they, yeah, they had their accommodation booked. So they thought, we're in no rush. If we rock up at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, it's fine. If we're on at 6 o'clock at night, it's fine. We don't care. And they'd stop along the way and have a little picnic. I joined them a few times. Have a little picnic. And just re- they always had a smile on their face. And they actually walked more. They, they walked 100 kilometres before me from a little town, another little town in France. So they actually did 900 kilometres or maybe even more than that. They were an inspiration to me because I thought if they're doing it, and look how they're doing it, they're doing it such a good way that it's fine. So along the walk, you can't get you can't get lost. Uh, there's uh, yellow arrows everywhere directing you where to go, or there's shells, a little shell directing you where to go. Just follow the shells, follow the yellow arrow, and it's, you can get a little bit lost, but like if you do, you'll go 100 metres the wrong way and you, you won't see the yellow arrow, yellow arrow and you just walk back. If you haven't seen one of those yellow arrows within 100, 200 metres, you're, you're on the wrong path. They're everywhere, 800 kilometres. And I wonder how many yellow arrows there are on the 800-kilometre stretch because there's a lot. There's a lot. I think I only went off course maybe five times, but then within 100 metres, 200 metres, like, I realised and went back. Like, it's nothing. Like, you, it's super easy to, to walk this walk. Um, the safety of it is another situation. Uh, as a male, 
I never felt unsafe at all. It was safe the whole time for me. But I did talk to some girls who were solo solo travellers, and they they were sections where they were a bit hesitant on on the whole situation. And I think in 2015, someone did go missing uh, near Astoria. Um, so there is, with the popularity of it, I mean, it's getting more popular and more popular, especially during June, July and August. I'm not too sure what the safety is. I know there was one stretch I was going through and there was a lot of police cars going up and down the road and somebody said that was a bit of a notorious area to get mugged on. But again, I saw the only cars I saw on the road were police cars. You know, it was okay. I mean, there's a lot of people doing the walk, but there are times where you'll look around or you won't see a soul for like hours and hours and hours. You'll be the only one on the track, which is that was when I really loved it. But you, but I reckon 50% of the time, you either see people way into the distance or way behind you. So you're not completely alone. And as much as you want to say, oh, I'm going to go walk 800 kilometers alone, like there were times where, like, there was one situation, I walked with one girl for the same girl for like four days and the the bonds that you make on it on the on the computer you walk with someone for 12 hours or you're with someone for 12 hours and you're just walking together for four days it's like then you go to the same hostel at night you eat together you have breakfast together and you walk it's like you learn stuff about people that it's just incredible it's incredible and uh yeah it's it's magic my sleeping situation in Alberta is, I'm going to touch on this a little bit, and I want to touch on how I decided to stay in a town. So at the beginning, like, there is a book you can get, and it marks out like the best, the best um, route to take, and the best kind of places, the biggest places to stay, where there's a lot of food to have, and they mark it out about 25k between 20, I guess, and 35k's a day and you can um have like just the bigger towns where the the nicer alberga or hostels are and whatnot uh i kind of followed that for the first week like i said before and then i started i I would kind of follow it but go a few kilometers each side of where they would recommend sometimes and for me I got into the feel of the place. If I rocked up into a place and I didn't get a good vibe from the place or I didn't get a good feel from the place, I wouldn't stay there. And that's how I chose hostels as well. I was like, I want this this, this trip to be like completely living in the present and living for net right now, not worrying about 10 minutes from now, not worrying about 10 minutes behind me, just worrying about now. So I'd rock into a place. I'd look around. If I saw people I knew, I'd be like, oh, okay, like – like this is a good sign. People are here I know and I, they're fun and uh, or like something could happen. But like, oh, this is a nice little town. I would um, – that's where I'd stay. And then choosing a hostel, I would walk in front of the hostel and I'd kind of just stand there for about 30 seconds. But mm, do I get a good feeling from this hostel? Just stand in front of the door. And if I did, I'd walk in. And if a lady behind the reception was nice, I'd be like, this is a place for me. If a lady behind the reception 
was a rude bitch, which a lot of the Spanish can be, I'd be like, fuck this, I'm out of here, and I'd go to the next place. And that, sometimes that meant I had to walk another five kilometres down the road. But you know what? That There was once, there was one time I was so annoyed with myself, I, got, I didn't get a good five from this place. The lady was a bitch. And I still went there and I had the worst night. So it was the worst place probably on the whole. It was, a, it was a clean, nice place. But in terms of just the people there, it was disgusting. I did not like it. And I learnt my lesson from that. And I was like, I'm not doing that again. And that's how I found a suitable one. I never booked anything. Okay, no. I, I'll, if, if booking anything, when I'd stay every five or six days, I'd stay in a really nice place. The day before, I would actually book like a five-star hotel, which in Spain is in the northern north of Spain, dirt cheap, like 40 euros, 50 euros a night, like nothing. So that was fine. Like I said before, the people you meet are all, t- all types, all, all walks of life. Some people, some people are there for, for, for the religious side of it. They stop at every church. They pray at every church. Um, some people are there to seek to for a, for a physical challenge to actually see if they can do it. Um, some people are there just for a spiritual challenge, um, and then some people are just there just like I quit my job, I had nothing else to do, so this look kind of look cool, and I I just come to do it. So, can, when you're approaching a person to talk to them, it it's it's you never know what you're going to get. You never know what you're going to get. Never judge a person with how they look. I had the funniest conversations with people I would like probably never talk to if I was back home. And it really opened my eyes to be like, hey, talk to everyone. And every, everyone's weird in their own ways. And like, why not talk to everyone? Uh, so, so, so that, that was, that was kind of cool. The, the people that you met, um, it wasn't very often you met like an idiot. Like there were obviously there's idiots wherever you go. And there's a few of them bitches wherever you go but like there were so few there was like one or two that I met that was like this person I don't want to be around this person uh, but most people are so nice and then some people just don't want to talk or sometimes you don't feel like talking you just say to someone hey like sorry but today I really want to walk alone uh, and as soon as you say that people are so respectful and it's like okay no worries I'll, I'll see you later on. Or I might see you tonight, and that's completely like fine. Uh, let's touch on the terrain a little bit. So the first four days, I think, is the hardest. It's just up and down hills, or relentless hills, up and down, up and down. Also, maybe for me because it was raining a lot, so maybe it was a bit tough because of the rain. But um, the hills in the first few days. After that, it goes pretty flat. It's, it's okay. You get a few little hills now and again, but like nothing to write home about. And then towards the end, uh, New Osobrera, I can't remember what kind of place, it, how many kilometres in this was, but there's another couple of hills. But it's kind of cool. Like there's a mountain range you come across, but like for days you see it. You see what if it's clear, you see it for days before and, and you just every day you're getting closer, you're getting closer, you're getting closer, then you have to walk over it. It's really cool. But other than that, like it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, I think it's pretty, pretty basic walk. It's, it's, it is, I can see if you're a bit unfit, it's a bit of a mental challenge. Um, and you probably want to go, like I started in like 7th of April and it took me 35 days to complete 
But if you and, – and that was a good time to start. Like it, it was quite cool. I remember the first few days, some, like I said, the first day it was snowing and it kind of got warmer and warmer. And then the, la- the last few days I finished, like it was getting hot. Like I was wearing shorts and a T-shirt and I was sweating quite a bit and changing my socks because I was wet halfway through the day. But I think you don't want to start like in mid-May because when you finish that thing, it's going to be roasting hot. I would not start anything later than what I started, like the 7th of April. I think that's a really good time, especially if you're a little bit unfit. You don't want to be have the the the, the 25 kilometres a day plus a 35-degree day. Like that 15, 20 degrees is like the perfect temperature, maybe even 24 degrees, ter- perfect temperature. So when I was walking... The Camino, like you're walking 800 k's. I just want to talk about like what I felt like when I walked into Santiago. I felt I felt actually quite empty when I walked into Santiago and walked in front of the church. Like you're walking towards this church the whole time, 35 days every day. You're thinking about your destination. I was thinking about walking into Santiago, walking into Santiago. But this is when I learned. It's such a cliche as well, and I hate saying it. It's about the journey, not the destination. But, like, I really learned it because I walked into that square with people that I've been walking with for days as well um, with a really lovely lady from Perth, from Perth called Jen. She was kind of like my Camino mum, and she was such a beautiful lady. I was still keeping contact with her. And we usually – I walked a bit faster than her, so – I would just see her of a morning sometimes. Or I'd, I'd, she'd leave earlier than me. She, I'd pass her and then I'd see her at night for dinner and we'd talk and we'd have a few beers and this little liqueur called Pacharan and it was beautiful. And then on the last day we said, okay, let's walk together into Santiago together and there was another couple, uh, few, there was a few people. Um, and it was so, that's what I found the best. Like walking in with those guys was so nice but it was kind of like empty You'd walked this whole way. I don't know what I was expecting, but I kind of got there, stood in the square and was like, oh, shit, I'm here. I kind of like, I didn't know what to do. I did not know what to do. I was like, what do I do now? You've had this one focus. Your focus for 35 days was to just get up in the morning and walk. And then you get there and you go, well, what am I do? What am I going to do tomorrow? It was... So bizarre. It was so bizarre. I still don't know. I still get the feeling now and I still don't know how to process that feeling. I guess if you had to translate it back to life, it's like don't stop moving. You never want to get to the finish line. Don't get to the finish line. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a, like a philanthropist. I, I don't know. Um but that's that's what I learned. The, the biggest lessons I learned on this trip was live in the present. Like I didn't book anything the entire time, except for those one or two. Like I book a day in advance. But like other than that, like for I reckon thirty three of the days, I did not book a hotel. Even when I got to Santiago, I didn't book any. Everything, everyone's saying, you're so crazy not booking anything for Santiago. It's such a busy town. I didn't book anything. And guess what? It worked out. A friend that I met on the trip, he'd booked an extra hotel room 
for someone else that didn't make it that day. He was like, where are you staying? Come stay with us. It was the most beautiful hotel in Santiago. So, like, I was like, it always works out. It always works out. Like, just rock up to a town and they say the Camino provides for you when you need it. Just go and do it and whatever you need will just come out of the air when you need it. It's such a crazy thing to say, but it's like the universe saying, like, it's okay. Like, just go and do whatever you want to do. Everything will work out okay. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. There's always a solution to the problem. There is no problems. There's just solutions. That's the biggest lesson I took away from this trip. The other thing is what I learned. It's like never underestimate anyone. Never. There was a guy I saw on the first day walking up that hill in that hill in the in uh, the Pyrenees. This big German guy, right? And he was on Struggle Street. I was like, this guy. I'm not going. This is the last time I'm going to see him. Four days later in Pamplona, I was sitting there having beers with him. About a week later, and then I wouldn't see him for a week. And a week later, another town. He was sitting there eating dinner, having beers. Every time I'd saw him, he'd be dead set struggling. But then I'd see him like a week later, and he'd be he'd just be there. He 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 struggled through the entire thing. And guess what? Got to Santiago. I think he finished a day after I was there. Guess who was there? Because I stayed hung around the town for a while. He rocked up, and I was blown away. This guy on Struggle Street from day one, he had made it to the end, and it was absolutely like eye opening. I just I was in awe of this guy because I was like, "How did you struggle? You you struggled through that whole eight, like." 35, 36 days, he, that guy was just struggle, and he just did it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The other thing is, like, the last thing I learned is, like, don't follow the crowd. Do it your own way. As much as you want to watch YouTube clips of it, as much as you want to read books about anything and whatever, just do things your own way. And you're going to be so much happier. If you do it someone else's way, like I did in the first week, like, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. It just, it's not as fun. It's just not as fun at all. And as soon as you start doing it your own way, you're going to find out more about yourself. It's going to be more fun. You're going to meet better people. It's just, I don't know, it's just so much better. I don't know what kind of advice uh, to give. Like, I reckon everyone should do this walk. Everyone should do it. No matter your capability, disability, everyone should do this walk at some point in their life. And anyone can do it. Any, like, I saw, I mean, anyone can do it. Absolutely anyone. Uh, and you should not be scared of it. Do not be scared. If you're a girl and you're scared of a certain area, just say to a guy that morning, hey, I don't feel safe in this area. Can I please walk with you today? And I had a girl, a couple of girls say that to me. Hey, I don't, can we walk in a group today? I don't feel uh, uh, safe in this area. And we'd all, everyone would just be like, yeah, no worries. Right? Or they'd be like, oh, I'm going to walk here to here alone and then can we meet there and we're going to walk through this area together. Yeah, absolutely. Like no one will ever say no. And... At the end of the day, there's trains and buses that'll take you past that area. I mean, I'd never wanted to get a train or a bus, but people did. 
people did. And hey, there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. To finish off, would I do it again? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would not do... There's many different types of routes that go to the same place. One of my regrets of it is I didn't go to the coast afterwards. I hung around in Santiago for a few days and then I went to Bilbao and then met some friends in Beerus. But I should have, instead of going to Bilbao, I should have walked to the coast, to Finisterre. I should have stayed in Santiago one night, gone to Finisterre the next day. So another three days, about 100 k's on top of that, three or four days. I should have done it. And that's my biggest regret of this that trip. Uh, I mean... Who knows why I didn't? And maybe it was the universe saying, hey, don't do it. Um, something bad's going to happen or whatnot. But, like, I didn't do it and, yeah, I, I live with my decision. So I think I'm going to do it. Do another Camino. Uh, and I think this time I want to do the Portuguese coastal route. Um, I think maybe next year. Yeah, maybe next year, 2021 around the April time again. I think this is this might be good. Um, yeah, and I'm not too sure how many... I don't think it's quite 800 kilometres, but I might start. I might see if I can start, like, and do 800 kilometres, start in another town rather than... I don't even know where it starts. I've got to do some research into where it starts and how it goes, but as, I know it's not as populated as the one I did, so I've got to... I think I might have to do a little bit of research into this one to see if there's hostels along the way. But other than that, like, man, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to just being able to 35 days just walking and talking and eating and, like, hardly being on the internet and, oh, it's so freeing. It's so freeing. I don't know if this is a reflection of how I want to live my life, but I think every few years to reset the mind, this is something I I personally have to do. Anyway, that's the podcast. That's the podcast. I hope this is not too boring for anyone. I hope I didn't say um too many times. Like I said, 2020, I want to try to do more podcasts. I really enjoy sitting down in front of a microphone and talking shit like this more guests if you have any suggestions bloody hit me up uh, on social media uh, Instagram is the wandering posty Facebook is the wandering posty email is the wandering posty at gmail.com uh, thanks for listening um, remember just live in the present. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks of you or says of you. Just be happy. And if you're not happy, go and do something that makes you happy. Just change the way you're living if you're not happy. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Bye.